You ready? Ah, uh, welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 400 of Porch Talk with Alan Aldridge. Yeah. I'm your host, J.C. Long. Happy to be with you tonight. Dude, I'm happy uh, to have you host it. It's, it's good to have you back on the show, <laughs> and then uh, it's, it's not your first rodeo to host this. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I believe it was episode 200. That's right. All right. Even Almost numbers. two years ago. I know, man. Like, I usually hit the 100-episode uh, marker once a year. Mm-hmm. Right <laughs> on schedule. Well, uh, you want to start with a look back. Any uh, high spots that hit you right right away in the last 100 episodes? Yeah. And it would really arch back to um, work that we've done over the past the entire porch talk but uh, I was really happy about the work that we got done at Bentonia at the Blue Front Cafe uh, continuing to uh, cover the blues and to make sure um, that that history of that place and those blues musicians are correctly um, archived in history the way that they want to be recorded. Um, that was a big deal to me, and that, that is a, that's a fine point. And I do mean to, and the opportunity um, has been given to me uh, to work with museums and historians um, to archive this and to make sure this has a place to exist other than just here. And to also open me up to other blues musicians from the Delta and the Hill Country and to represent Mississippi. Um, and I, I hope to get that done in the in the upcoming future. Uh, the biggest fear is uh, these are old blues cats. They won't be on this earth forever. And I know that uh, the work is, uh, if I'm going to do it, I need to get after it. And so now that we have uh, the pandemic behind us, uh, I do want to spend time in places such as Clarksdale, um, Hill Country, just outside of Oxford, more time in Bentonia and in the Delta around Yazoo uh, to spend time with that. Also, um, Starville has been really good. I'm, I'm really digging into Starville right yeah. now with the artists and music scene. Mm-hmm. I still have some small business people that I want to talk to, Serendipity Hippie, uh, Scooters. Um, they'll be on the show soon. Cool. Uh, to give you a better taste of what small town Starkville feels like, what it sounds like, um, the Columbus Arts Council, and we've done a fairly good job of covering Columbus, Mississippi. We're not done there. Same goes for Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and Birmingham, Alabama. And a friend of mine, uh, Matt Maser, shout out, um, he was sharing my podcast in front of me to a, a friend of ours. And uh, he's like, I don't call Alan a podcaster or uh, just a music lover. I call him a curator. Uh, he is someone who is putting together uh, not only like what Mississippi sounds like or Alabama sounds like or what maybe the South sounds like. But he's also like 
putting you in those spaces because he's actually going there. Yeah, yeah. And you also hear what it sounds like. And uh, that really uh, raised the bar uh, for me personally to what uh, porch talk is. Uh, to the to the sounds, yeah, uh, what you hear in the back or whatever else. That's very much how I described it. I think to a friend the other night. Uh, I think curation is a better way to put it. But uh, the part about, well, you know, an episode of Porch Talk is just that, <laughs> and it's, you know, there. Mm-hmm. So. You know, from someone's porch, effectively, whether you're on the porch or not. But yeah, this is porch but it talk. would be the conversation that you would have. Yeah, this is a local thing. Yeah, yeah. It, and it and it gives you uh, a feel for what a place is like for sure. Yeah, I'm excited to hear um, uh, more of good features of Starville. Yeah, there's there's a there's a good there, collection uh, of them. And shout out to Bo Jeffries. Uh, we actually recorded this 400th episode um, about a week ago, and only half of it was captured, and so I think this is timely that you and I got back together because I was really uh, <laughs> anxious to hang out with you again, whether with the mics or not, but what an occasion. But um, he introduced me um, to so many musicians, and he, he just gave me a list of names, and he was like, if you really want to get startable, here are some of the people that you need to be aware of. And since that last thing that Bo Jeffries and I had, I have sought those people out. Mm. And, um, yeah, this is it's really going to make Starville pop because yeah. um, I personally, I, I've been living in Starville, been working in Starville, but I've been sleeping on Starville. Mm. And it, it ain't because I'm not involved in the nightlife. I just, I don't know where these people are or what they do. Like... I know they're doing something, yeah, yeah. but they're not doing it where I do it, you know? Uh, and so it's just a matter of, like... Get in there, man. Getting in there, <laughs> yeah. Do it. And, yeah. Yeah. Show the rest of us. Yeah. And, and that's a big hope. Uh, and, like, I'm I'm very happy about that. I know a lot of people kind of ebbed and flowed with being in and out of porch talk. Uh, sometimes, like, um, you know, someone will... I'll be at a show, you know, somewhat locally, and they'll send a picture of a musician performing and be like, you know this cat? And I'm like, yeah, I do. They've That was episode 267 or, you know, whatever yeah. else, you know. And uh, that's that's great discovery. So they can go back and maybe fall back in love with what I was doing. Maybe they yeah. fell out of it, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, that ha- happened just the other day. <laughs> yeah, it did between you, us. Yeah. yeah, I sent you a picture. I was at this show in uh, Tuscaloosa. So, do you know these people? He's like, uh, yes, that was Sarah Lee Langford mm-hmm. and company. I can't remember the Will Stewart. There we go. There we go. And uh, they had already been on an episode. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that one that is cued to the top of my list. And on top of that is like to think, I mean, that's a good spot to be is. Uh, with Will Stewart, like we put out a record. Uh, Will Stewart was on the first Porch Talk record, and Sarah Lee Langford is going to be on the upcoming record. Awesome. And so that was a very uh, timely thing to have happened. Right on. And yeah, they were great, man. And just with uh, was it uh, the Polly's? Oh yeah. 
uh, that is Muscle Shows in Florence, and that is a music scene that, uh, as of right now, I have not gotten into. And you saw it at Kentuck. Um, Bo Hicks, a, f- a friend of mine, he owns Druid City Brewing. If you find yourself in Tuscaloosa, if you like beer, uh, go have yourself a beer. But uh, Bo Hicks has been booking Kentuck for years now. That's what I heard, yeah. And so right when I saw the lineup, without even knowing Bo had his hand on it, mm-hmm. I knew Bo booked it. Yeah, yeah. Because... <laughs> It used to not be anything big for like the Alabama Shakes or Brittany Howard mm. uh, or John Paul White. That's Florence. Mm-hmm. That's that's Muscle Shows. And so that is a, that's a big part of an, another thing that I want Portsmouth to do is I want to invade that space. Mm-hmm. And I really want to bring, like, you have fame up there, the yeah. recording studio. And so uh, I want to be more involved with, if if I'm going to genuinely cover Alabama, it can't just be Mobile and Birmingham and Tuscaloosa. You gotta go yeah, where go, it is. Go. You gotta go to I fame. I would love to hear an interview with all of them. The, the, this uh, Billy and the Pollies. Is, that's how they were billing it yeah. at the festival. And I looked into it, and we'll talk more about that later. But No, we can go ahead and right now. Well, I, I actually have, we, we may listen to it later whatever but like I got one queued up there's a video out on YouTube and it's from earlier in the summer uh, I can't remember where but it's the same set that they played at Kentuck mm. and uh, several of those is just like stunners just reach out and holy moly and uh, anyway so I queued it up to the spot where one of them starts it's really impressive some of the things they're doing musically just that this the polys you know just mm-hmm. some of the musical devices so that's unusual mm-hmm. uh, and really cool and you, you know this maybe is no i'm not going to put any i'm not going to put any examples on it just suffice it to say this well i mean i, I think where you're getting at is like they are red hot and they're about to be found holy moly i uh i've been wrong before <laughs> but i'm gonna say that uh yeah, some of that is just amazing. Yeah. Just incisive and amazing and not in just one way, not in just one pop way. It's got shimmer on it or something like that. In many ways, they got soul, deep, mm-hmm. unbelievable. This was uh, something that was brought up to me um, going back to Bo Jeffries with... Uh, the Rust Bucket Roadies, that's the current uh, band that he's playing with now. And the front man, Dale, uh, who is going to come on the show, I hope, if he's listening. I still want you out there, Dale. But uh, Dale wouldn't call himself an historian, but in his own right he is to the effect that with what I do, uh and I think with what he, because he, he told me a lot about what he knows about the Black Prairie music. And for those of you who may not be aware, is uh, when you think about the blues and when you think about 
uh, music and influence. A lot of people believe, like, just think about uh, what you see when you come into Mississippi, home of the blues. Uh, well, Dale would uh, rebut that with, no, it was actually the Black Prairie. And so the Black Prairie, for those of you who are knowledgeable about Alabama, Mississippi, if you're not, I'll, I'm about to lay it out for you. This is uh, just south of Tuscaloosa and Birmingham. Uh, we're talking about like Greensboro, uh, and it, it spews over into Mississippi. Uh, but it's Aliceville. Uh, you you know, I'm trying to name Old off Memphis. some more cit- cities. Yeah. Yeah, Prairie uh, Point in Mississippi. Uh, yeah, and it, it spews over into the Delta. And then here's another myth about the blues and how music traveled. Was I once was under the belief that um, music, the blues, traveled up to Chicago and Tennessee by river. That's not the case at all. It actually went by train. And what it was was these Black Prairie musicians. They would hop the train, next town over, next town up. And then that's why they were getting up with their buddies and making mm-hmm. music and playing shows. Mm-hmm. And so, like, the whole curation of how we were given, like, the blues being the bedrock for music as we know now, I would argue, and when Dale comes on the show, I think he'll prove it right. Because Dale really knows his stuff is, like, this is going to like change the way that you think about the history of American music. And you're really going to give a whole lot more credit to Alabama than what you think. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm not saying that to downplay Mississippi and the blues. I'm just saying that one of the first founders of the way that we hear the blues and black prairie music is a cat from uh, Mobile, Alabama. And I'm blanking on his name right now. But he would be the absolute father of it. And it would come up to the Black Prairie, and then it would explode. Oh wow! And so, and that's another thing about Porch Talk is like, uh, yeah, yeah, we we might get a little wacky with Off the Deep End and some of the other shows within the show that we do. But like, when I'm doing these interviews, is like, I'm being real and I'm being honest, and like, I'm hoping the 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 best and for my guests to do the same. But I'm telling you that Dale is. Uh, is a wealth of knowledge, and it is a it's a well uh, that I really want to get into cool. because I I think he 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 really has a handle on yeah, it. Yeah, you could just say the word go and mm-hmm. uh, episode after episode. I'm mm-hmm. sure. I mean, he's had uh, people like come reach out to him. I think a guy's wanting to write a book, and then another guy's wanting to write a documentary. Uh, that's a great point. Uh, earlier, I had. I thought about something you mentioned documenting it really uh, this culture mm-hmm. uh, that, that we're talking about here and uh, the way that they want to be you know recorded mm-hmm. and uh, you speak of the Black Prairie there, there's another tie there uh, you're I think uh when I think of that, I think of it as a force. You know, there wasn't just this one, you know, on the Mississippi welcome sign, you know, mm-hmm. Mississippi Delta Blues. No, no, that was one thing. There's mm-hmm. this other entire force uh, that is the Black Prairie Blues. 
there's uh, the people that, that introduced me to this. Uh, some of them aren't around anymore, but uh, Rick Asherson, Debbie Bond, Alabama Blues Project out mm. of Northport. Uh, very much, they were they were there, and uh, uh, my th- my interests kept going in large part because of them, and uh, they encouraged me to go and visit down there, you know, and so I did. I'm sure there's uh, some people around. This is where Willie King, this this was Ground Zero, yeah. Willie James Williams, and uh, some of these other cats down there. I wouldn't really be naming names. Uh, Snake Man, <laughs> Bear Man, yeah, these fellas. Uh, I'd be willing to bet they're alive and kicking. Yeah, and uh, that would be. Very interesting too. Anyway, yeah, if I could get like connected to those guys, I mean, I would, how, I would take a vacation for that. Yeah, I remember my mom and I actually we visited once, twice actually with with that fellow Willie James Williams played the drums, and um, we, th- this topic came up, you know, telling because he was full of stories. You just sitting there like the porch talk down there. Mm-hmm. Is full of these incredible stories, and my mom and I are scratching our heads like, "Uh, you got a voice recorder or something?" Like, <laughs> we went and bought one, and gave it to him and showed him how to work it, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's like uh, that that didn't take, you know, it just it didn't take. So he he's he's one of the ones he's gone, man. He passed away. So and you'll never get him. That's right. I don't know if he. Uh, when I checked in with him some years later, he hadn't used it. I'm sure it was probably confusing, and he just didn't know how to say, hey, this is confusing. That's another thing that uh, it's my go, and I've already picked the piece of equipment out that I want to use. Um, it was the same piece of equipment that was used for um, the Alabama Astronaut Podcast. Mm-hmm. A. Partridge spent his pandemic um not not so much with the religion uh not so much with maybe you want to call it mythology but he spent his pandemic a year and a half and he's still to this day uh i think it restored his faith and just by hearing this podcast it stirred my faith mm-hmm. but uh he spent his pandemic with the snake handlers, mm. you know? Whoa. And so and it wasn't about their religion. It was about capturing their music. And what, what had happened was a song that had stirred. I had just met Will Stewart. Will Stewart wrote this song. It's a song called Brush Arbor. It's a great song off of uh, Will's record, County Seat. Um, check that out. Uh but when you listen to the lyrics, it, it's it's clearly talking about the snake handling religion. And when you get done listening to the the song, you kind of get kind of chills about you. Like it was kind of a, you know, like whenever you're at a, a show or like whenever you hear a song that just kind of crawls all over you, you just get, you just, something's all over you. Mm. It's kind of that effect. And... Abe had reached out to Will, and I had just recently met Will. 
And yeah, where'd that song come from? It came from a book called Salvation on Sand Mountain. And I'm blanking on the author's name right now, but he lives, he, he did live in Birmingham. Uh, he was a war journalist. And uh, he's in Texas now. And when Abe went to confront him about uh, some of the things that he had said in his book that were uh, not true, uh, because of his world war journalism, uh, there was a real bad bomb that had went off while he, I think he was in Syria. Uh, he was in this building, and the bomb had blew his ears out, and like he was bleeding out of the ears, and like I think it had permanent permanent brain damage from that. He never really quite recovered, and then like as he got older, his memory just went to fail. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, but. Uh, God, his name just flashed in my mind. But Salvation on Sound, Mount, Sound Mountain, you can get on Amazon. You can find that book just like that. Um, but he hung out with these snake handlers because like, he was first uh, going to the community in Sand Mountain, Alabama, over uh, an attempted murder where a snake handling pastor uh, forced his wife by gunpoint to put her arms inside of a like an aquarium full of venomous snakes because he wanted her to die. And she was bit multiple times, and after he fell asleep, well, she went running down the road looking for her freedom. You hear what I'm saying? Like, it's a wild story. And, um, and so he goes to investigate, and, like, lo and behold, as the story, I'm not trying to spoil the book or the story for anyone, but... Uh, as he got to know these snake handlers, he would pick up serpents, and he would be called brother by them. And so Abe, like after reading that book, he's Abe used to be a pastor in Kentucky. Well, he happened to know the when Abe pastored in Kentucky, he happened to know one of the most famous snake handler pastors that was just down the road from his church, and so like. The fire was lit. Mm. And so he got to going and exposing and learning about these snake handlers and getting to know them. And, and not so music. much about the religion, but it was about the music. Yeah, I keep thinking, and like, he recording it. He, he recorded an album with them. Oh, sweet. And it is sick. It'll be out soon. So alabamaastronauts.com. Oh, Shameless plug for my good friend, Abe Partridge. Awesome. I hope uh, it's by the Coots. Uh, so uh, you'll check that out. But uh, that podcast... I would be sitting over here looking these people up, but uh, I'm going to have to listen back. For yeah. sure. I'm going after that. <laughs> and several of the other things you've already mentioned. Yeah, but uh, I mean, A field recorded this with a $750 Sony field recorder. Excellent. And I've already priced it on Amazon. I want it for myself. Because right that's the way that I want to... St- I don't want to have this computer and this interface and these mics and like this big production. It's like Because sometimes when I'm at these festivals, if I could just have 15 minutes... Mm-hmm. The handheld stereo mic. Yeah. yeah. And just right here between us. Let's get this interview in. And that is like really like more of a, like a gorilla style or maybe gonzo style. Maybe we're going back to like a fear and loathing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, like I, I want to, cause there are so many times when I've been doing this podcast to where I was unequipped or had the equipment in the truck and I just moment. didn't have the time to, to, yeah, yeah. 
to pull everything out or yeah. didn't have the power and be like, Gonzo style, let's go right now. Right now. Yeah, yeah. on the spot. And just like just like that. And um, I mean, th- that is like the future that I want for this show is like, when I say like Porch Talk, we have two sayings, uh, wherever, whenever, whatever. And then, uh, you know, that's that's the main one. And then the uh, the other one is more inclined to uh, welcome you to whatever walk of life you are uh, abiding by. And uh, I hope you will have the same uh, for this walk of life that we're about to talk about now. Yeah. You know, kind of thing. Uh, but that was a heck of a rant. <laughs> well, it was a universal yeah. open invitation to the porch. For some porch talk, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we, you know, we were talking a little bit about. Uh, well, I think that using the interview is is an ideal way to capture some of these stories. What about? Uh, let's see. Um, beyond, you mentioned Bentonia, mm. so. Uh, uh, beyond Bentonia, what do you think? As far as like a location that I want to get after, mm-hmm. I want to be more involved in Memphis. Um, I'm not so partial to Nashville because, like, if you got hung up in Nashville, buddy, I think we would do a thousand episodes and we'd never yeah. get to the end of the rope. <laughs> uh, I'm not opposed to it. I have a lot of musicians up there that I I want to work with and I want. Uh, matter of fact, this is a, this is a great plug for that. Is uh, there's a publicist group that has uh, reached out to me, and a matter of fact, I've done three interviews through uh, their uh, artists that they represent. That's another thing about Porch Talk is not only are uh, people uh, really investing in this show, but also publicist groups, agents, uh, record labels. Uh, record labels are interested in, uh, hey, we want our artists to be on your show. We want this exposure. And so Porch Talk appears to be a, a little bit bigger than what I thought. Mm. And uh, what a blessing. Uh, uh, and, I, and I'm happy because I, I want to, because that, that really is my heart. These are not record labels that, I, that are not uh, household names. You know, uh, uh, I I typically wear the shirt. Uh, the shirt most shows that I play, I wear a Cornelius Chapel, and right underneath the uh, record logo, it says, "We've never heard of you either." Yeah. And so, uh, Cornelius Chapel Records, uh, huge shout out to them. They've been so good to me. Uh, Will Stewart, once uh, again, Sarah Lee Langford. That's mm-hmm. where they record out of. Um, other record dialback sound over in Water Valley, Mississippi. Um, so, I mean, these are some of the record labels that I'm working with. Uh, I'm crazy about them. They don't make bad work, but it's not like a, a mainstream kind of a national household name. And so, like, I'm all about indie music. And so, like, with Monk, when it goes to Untapped and Vinyl, it's like, yeah, this is this is great exposure for indie musicians who... It's hard to be a musician, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you don't just wake up one day and you go to the guitar store and you buy a guitar and then, like, you know, like next month. I mean, you just you're loaded, right? Mm-hmm. No, it's uh, you spend a lot of lonely times in your bedroom, 
and uh, you try to write songs, and you're covering songs, and you're trying to find your own way, and you, you go out to play a show, and it, well, it, most folks really don't care about what you had to say, especially if it's original, because mm. they want to hear something that they know, right? And um, uh, Porch Talk is a voice for that. Uh, I got your back. Right on. You know? I would love to hear and, and have frequently loved hearing <coughs> acts, artists from the ground up, you know. We have a great opportunity with that. Um, I have to go back in the archive and change his name. But uh, this was his first interview. He goes by John Keys now. It's his stage name. Uh, his first show was at Munson Brothers. He and I split that show. Uh, he's fantastic. He's from the heart of Mantachi, Mississippi, uh, just outside of Tupelo. Uh, his second show was at Porch Fest. And his third show, we split once again at Munson's. And now he is uh, working out a record deal with Fat Possum. Oh, cool. And so I go to Early James and the latest. They were already found by Dan Auerbach but those two uh, just from my catalog are the two biggest deals that are going to be up and coming in this year and the next in my opinion when it comes to the style of music that I'm into Mm -hmm. John Keys and Early James and the latest and what an honor and privilege that uh, I got to sit down with them and also play with them. Mm. Uh, so uh, I've, I've, I've re- thoroughly enjoyed that ex- that experience right as well, you know. Yeah. And like right when you sit down with somebody and uh, Porch Talk started uh, something for me that was therapeutic. I had uh, left Mobile, Alabama uh I was divorced, and I fought with everything within me, and you can probably relate to this, and people listening can too. Do you know how it is uh, in life when you are fighting tooth and nail, and you're fighting the current, and you know you're not supposed to be there anymore, and you know it's time to leave, Mm -hmm. and then life or... Maybe you believe in God or the universe or whatever it is you believe just kind of kicks you in the tail hard enough to finally get you to leave. And so uh, the universe had finally just kicked me hard enough or God had like pushed me or however you want to put it back to my hometown in Kennedy. Mm. And uh, with my friends and family that I grew up with and that love me and know me and I wasn't fighting in some strange land anymore, tooth and nail, just to survive. I was back with loved ones. And uh, it was very healing. It was nourishing. And porch talk grew out of sitting on my friend's porch. We hadn't seen each other in years. And we were talking like you and I are now and sharing like some experiences. And then mm-hmm. we'd pull out the guitars or maybe a keyboard. And... This is what I've been working on. And lo and behold, now, like, uh, 
I'm talking to musicians and artists from all over the world. I mean, would you, I would have never thought that. Mm-hmm. I never intended on it leaving my porch. I would have called it something better than porch talk if that was the case. <laughs> you know, but but I think the the name is 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 still good and it's still oh, it's great. Uh, just for the way that the interview it's itself like, is conducted. Yeah, I mean, like biscuits and gravy. Yeah, <laughs> southern, yeah. you know, southern biscuits and gravy. Yeah, yeah, I'd say that's a staple. Yeah, yeah, that's what I've always thought about it. Well, <clears throat> we covered some uh, past highlights. Mm-hmm. What about uh, you mentioned Sarah Lee Langford, and I had an opportunity to see her and Will Stewart. Will Stewart. And I'm still nailing down their names. Uh, but this was at the Druid City Brewery. And uh, I didn't I didn't meet the guy. I sort of did. I asked him if I could take pictures. And he was like, of course. <laughs> so, but my friend, she, she knew him. And um, uh, kind of gave me a background. Ginger is your friend? Ginger, yeah. I'd venture to say, like, I probably have been around Ginger a lot of and maybe we have met in passing. Oh, I'm certain that, at, like, you know, at some festival It seems like we mess with the same kind of people, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, speaking of uh, Black Prairie, that's that's where I met Ginger and several others. Uh, Freedom Creek Festival. Mm. Uh, you know, in the years immediately following Willie King's death. So, uh, I think it was 2012 that I met Ginger. But she is very much a fan of of that, you know, the Blues Fest, the uh, uh, Kentuck, that kind of a thing. Uh-huh. Yeah, and I was sitting there thinking, like, they have got, they, there's no way they haven't, you know, crossed paths. But I didn't know if you two had n- known each other. So, anyway, uh, hopefully the two of you will connect. We have recently connected on social media, and so, like, oh, cool. uh, so I, I hope that uh, we can connect and, uh, she can help steer me in some of these kind of directions because it seems like she's very involved in oh my goodness uh, things that I want to be a part of yeah 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 just just that's another one just say the word go I'm (laughs) and it seems like we're kind of the same kind of way right because like if you tell me to go buddy I'm going yeah yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah, that would she's she's got a wealth of knowledge yeah for sure and stays current yeah. yeah, and and that's another thing that I try to do, and I think that's a part of the show is like, um, I listen to a lot of podcasts, and uh, I am a fan of. I do listen to comedy podcasts, like the Boys Cast with Ryan Long, uh, is one of my favorites. Uh, I listen to Your Welcome with Michael Malice. I listen to a lot of cultural and political commentary. Um, every day and the thing that I'll say about those podcasts is if I don't listen to that podcast that day the relevancy of it has lost its power but with something that what Porch Talk does it doesn't matter if you reflect back on let's just say this episode a year, five years ten years from now it won't lose its power. This is not a political or a social podcast. It is based in society and culture, 
But like, if you look back on an interview that I did with, let's just say, Sarah Lee Langford, almost two years ago, um, the the weight of it is still worth its weight in gold because it's not uh, uh, in time. It's timely. And that is another thing that I would say, let's just say that you're, uh, you, you, you want to host a podcast or you want to be a content creator. Uh, and there's two styles, in my opinion. Uh, you have like kind of a curator style of what I have to where things are timeless. And then you have more of a, a day by day mm-hmm. to where if you miss it, if you go to to it tomorrow, it, it's going to be outdated. Like it's almost to a point to where you could just delete it mm-hmm. after it's over, you know. And so um, that's another thing that I think that this podcast holds this waiting goad is like oh, yeah. uh, each episode is not only a growth uh, with me personally, because uh, I, I continue to grow uh, with uh, – the lifestyles or um, just the different avenues of life itself that I'm introduced to when I get to know these people or wherever I meet them. I mean, this is a traveling podcast. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you really can just dial up whatever. <laughs> if you wanted to, you could just swipe your finger down and pop it wherever. Yeah. You're bound to hear something interesting. Yeah. And, like, I'm happy about that because there there are so many podcasts that I like that it's like when you just, let's say you take your finger on your phone and you swipe down and you just pick one, it's like it probably ain't going to hit the mark because it doesn't have any relevancy to today. But with what I do, the relevancy will always remain. Now, granted, we have, I've had uh, two guests on the show, and I'm not going to call them out, but... We have had two guests on this show that have passed away, um, but those are all those are landmarks for uh, their loved ones if they want to hear their voice. Oh yeah, yeah, treasures. Yeah, and so um, and that's another thing is like those were dear friends to me, and whenever I want to uh, go back and hear them, like. We were having a good conversation like what we're having now. Mm -hmm. We were exchanging ideas and uh, talking about uh, what was going on. But at the same time, it it doesn't have like a uh, a timely relevancy. It's timeless. Mm -hmm. And that's a hard thing to curate as a host. And that's one thing that I try to curate on the show. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's an essential ingredient in what you're putting together, what you're offering in a podcast uh, through many channels and um, an ongoing record. Yeah. Yeah, and and you can go to the Columbus Lowndes County Library and you can find my record uh, and all my work from then to now, will be in those archives. And I'm very happy about that. 
that was my first artistic endeavor and it is enshrined in the archives and like um that will outlive me let's just say like a nuke drops tomorrow let me tell you that that record is well protected so like let's just say uh <laughs> Weeks or years after the the bombs drop, like you can go to that archive and you can still uh, know what porch talks sound like, even with no more internet. And that freaks me out, but at the same time, at least like I stood the test of time in that regard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's crazy. It's like when you go. Have you ever been to an archive? I don't think like, like when that. they wheel the thing out, like it's it's a fairly large room and they've got these vaults, but the way like uh, they're they're stacked in columns, mm. and then they have these big levers. And I'm not saying that all of them are like this way all across the country. This is just the way this one is. They crank it, and then the files come out, and you walk down the lobby, and then these are books, these are records, these are. Uh, canvases, just all different kind of different artifacts mm -hmm. all throughout this county or country or state history. Yeah. And, like, you can really, like, I'd, I'd highly recommend that. And the next time I move, like, I make a big move, let's say I move to Tennessee, let's just say I move to Franklin. That's one of the first things I want to do is, like, go to that library and just, like, go to the archive and just, like, what are they about? Yeah, yeah. What is this? You yeah. know? Wouldn't that... I think that would be worthwhile. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I, I do. Um, there's something to be said. Uh, maybe not too much, but there's something to be said about uh, connecting the dots in time. Mm. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, uh, descendancy, that kind of a thing. Not just of uh, genes, but of uh, ideas, uh -huh. uh, uh, cultural norms, beliefs. How do those get handed down? How do they get modified? You know, yeah, helps connect the dots for sure. Yeah, and it's just interesting to dig into it. Yeah, play around in it. <laughs> yeah, you know, kind of get a vibe for it. Yeah, so get an speak. idea about what it's like. Um, it made me think of the uh, entomology museum mm. here at MSU. Joe McGowan, yeah. shout out. Yeah. Uh, the Bug Museum. And uh, <laughs> after seeing pieces of it, they were they were transferring it, I think. Um, anyway, after seeing pieces of it, uh, it's been on my list for a while to go back in there. When I've got time to just sort of crawl around some of it and maybe photograph some of it, that's another good one. Just crawl around in, yeah. in an archive in a biological way yeah. anyway local treasures I do want to say this just just with the uh, the future uh, of Porsche Talk while we're on that train of thought and I, I know I've been all on several different tangents but um, there will be more Porch Fest um, I don't know if it'll be at the same location uh, personally um, I'm hoping to move it and also to make it uh, to where it happens more. Maybe it's not a, a big of as a, a hoorah in one location, 
maybe it's something that we kind of section off and do maybe in a collaboration with other projects um we will do records in the future and i'm also looking into uh other facets of like just keeping this thing alive and i had a, I had a friend of mine the other day and porch fest i i am not the inventor of it like porch fest like I believe in humanity, and I believe we are incredibly adaptive uh, people, or species, or however you want to place it. Uh, I did not invent the term. It it was not started with me. Uh, There have been porch talks all across the nation. If you were to ask me about the causation of it, it would be uh, caused by the pandemic. And I would, if we look back into it, I'm sure that it, it had already happened. But with the pandemic and how things were shut down, yes, more porch fest spurred up. Uh, and that was just because of the adaptiveness of human beings and also the idea of community and that the musician could play off a porch and people could uh, distance themselves outside. And it looks like that trend is here to stay. I see in my own community here in Starville, Columbus, and other places that the DIY scene uh, is here to stay. It's more enveloped. Um, There will always be a bar scene or a restaurant scene to where a musician can play. Uh, But I do see it more of uh, more of a locale to where, hey, uh, I think we're going to go over to Betty Lou's uh, so-and-so's playing, and, you know, 25 to 30 people show up. And I really like the uh, like the breaking up of things that we're kind of seeing with uh, the way that music is progressing. Um, and I know that was, a, that was a wild tangent, but I was thinking about that as, like, uh, someone... Asked me the other day, did you invent that? I haven't invented anything. <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't think I have any original ideas. But I, I wanted to confront that. Uh, Porch Fest is 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 not OG to me. I wish I did uh, uh, trademark that, but I I did not. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear it. Uh, I'm glad to hear of things like that in general. Really glad, and and, and I hope that. I mean, I'm sitting here, I'm I'm just observing uh, what you're saying because I haven't been out there enough to, to really mm-hmm. get a feel for it. Um, but more so, you know, just more and more activity, more and more involvement. And I love that kind of thing from the ground up, you know, a grassroots yeah. effort. And uh, something where people are uh, acting as a collective, really. You know, it, it, a local effort. And uh, that I think is is the it's the breeding ground for good culture. It's the breeding ground for exchange. It's the breeding ground for uh, shared understanding. It's the breeding ground for gathering, for commerce. It's uh, it's such a good thing. It's it's like lifeblood. And um, so so like anything that's geared anything like that 
is I think good for local communities. Really good. Well, I mean, number one, it's local, and so like you want to support it just because like these are people from your community, and I can't tell you how many times I've went to let's just say Columbus, Mississippi, with Colin Cracker that the right moves or honey boy boots or Mookie or like these are household names when it comes to the locality of Columbus, Mississippi, mm-hmm. even Starville possibly. And because of that, it led me to pursue those musicians and like, you know, I, I haven't had um, honey boy and boots on it's, it's down the pipe. It's going to happen. But, um, if it wasn't for those local DIY events, I'm I'm out every weekend. I'm playing shows. I'm podcasting. I'm doing all these things. But like when when someone in the community is throwing an event, I am way more likely to show up for that because one, I know the kind of people that's going to turn out. Mm-hmm. My people. Yeah. yeah. And then on top of that, like, I know my people booked it. And so I'm like, I'm very attentive. I'm breaking bread with the people that I know. And, like, I'm having a good time with my people. Mm-hmm. And so, like, it's it's a very inclusive kind of thing. Uh, but it's not exclusive because, like, it is, like, all are welcome, if that makes sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, um, like, that is really, like, how eyes are opened, I believe. Right, I think it's important to point out uh, the, the extremes of, maybe not both extremes, but the range of multiculturalism, yeah. cultural exchange. Uh, you know, it's a broad range. Uh, there, there, <laughs> there are places, uh, most recently, I visited Toronto. Oh, here we and go. Let's I, go. What I noticed was that... Uh, By the way, I love the biopics and things that you did. Oh, thanks. Um, I took a lot of pictures up there. I haven't seen most of them. Well, my goal was to, to get some street portraits. So um, I figured out an approach real quick. Anyway, this collection of street portraits, I think there were ten. So two two solid days of photographing Please on the Please take your time with this, like fully fully get this idea because okay. like I love this idea okay. and I love what you did well, please please do that I'm I'm not sure if there, if you have a particular idea in mind but there's a lot of them around this no, I, I, I feel like your idea. lately I, I think uh, anybody who knows me has heard heard some one of these stories yeah. or, or all of them you know um, well I, I, what I wanted to do was practice in some real deal street photography and i didn't want to do it in the southern u.s um can i stop you right there like what is your idea of like street photography what is that well it really is a a genre and there are sub-genres if you want to look at it from a categorical perspective but um in general on the street where there's decent foot traffic these are the requirements and bare requirements uh, where people are walking 
that's what I think of. Uh, uh-huh. There are there are others who uh, their goal isn't you know people, but it's just scenes. Uh-huh. And they might happen to have people in them, but uh, typically, you know, th- there are raw materials around in abundance with which to frame a scene. Mm. You know, for your eye, and uh, so uh, a larger place let's just let's just throw that out there you know not, you, you, there there are things you can capture anywhere there are things you can capture uh, in no town at all like way out in the country uh-huh. you can do whatever you want that's where i do most of my photography yeah there i don't know where kind of thing there is no place that i you know i take a camera pretty much everywhere and uh, I, I feel that way too i photograph you know things that i see yeah in in general, that that's it. Things that I see. So, but with street photography, it was more about people for me. Um, there's there's something behind that too. Is uh, this may be what you're talking about? Tell me if it is, uh, or if it isn't. Um, well, I, uh, originally I just ruled out North America altogether. I was like, I really, really want to do this in London because this is. That's where that these photographers were that I was uh, following and uh, learning about and communicating with and um, really learning from. So one of them in particular stood out immediately. Her name is Gabrielle Motola. Mm. And uh, her Instagram is just awesome and it's full of information. And that is Photos. That's her Instagram handle. that. Say that one more time. Gmoto Photos. Yeah, check it. It might be Gmoto Photo. I can't. Yeah. I can never remember. It's either singular or plural. It's one of the two. Yeah. Well, one of her ideas is uh, it's about anxiety. That's uh, something that she and I have in common is uh, anxiety in general. Anyway. Uh, so can I stop you right there just for a yeah, go ahead. to ask you about that? Is it cause like I have seen like an upscale and I don't know if this has always been the case. But like with anxiety it seems like everyone today has anxiety. Mm. And I wonder if it has always been this way. Because like when I'm looking at my father, who is um he's he's I hope he's getting better. But one thing that I see about him is uh, one thing that he is on is anxiety medication. Mm -hmm. But uh, he's constantly picking at his fingers and picking wounds. And, like, uh, he's not a drug addict. But, like, I believe, like, the anxiety leads to that, to where, like, he's stricken to a room to where he has to pick or uh, do something. And so, like, I don't know if, if society has always been this way, and I don't know your experience, but when I look back, I don't remember. It's a hiding, it's a heightened sense of anxiety. And I wonder if these little devices in our hand caused it. Do you think that we oh. know too much? Um. That's maybe a sharp question. Sorry to take so yeah. long with that. Uh, yeah, it is a sharp question, I, ain't it? Yeah, maybe maybe to clarify, like, do you think like, uh, and let me let me say this for you. Answer it is like, uh, 
a social experiment that you could do and I've done is uh, go awake without your phone because like when you wake up in the morning what's the first thing you're oh, going to do? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, now for that, I, I thought that's what you meant and I would yeah. say there's humongous interaction yeah. between you know cell phones and the human mind. Yeah. Yeah, it's loaded. Gab- Gabrielle Motola uh Agrees. Yeah, great way to get it back on track. <laughs> well, the, the, it's a clear connection. Uh, she could uh, and has written a lot about this very topic and the the effects on your sanity. And then mix in pandemic and uh, everything gets cranked up tenfold. Hmm. And uh, then, you know, this biological response that every human who's aware of the pandemic has gone through and and some have noticed and some have not noticed that they have endured a a very ancient human biological response that is very much anxiety provoking well one of these um things that that Gabrielle noticed about carrying the camera around is that it gave the anxious part of her brain a task it really, it, you know, the the let's, we're talking about the amygdala. Wouldn't you say that's what it did for you? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would say that it was just some of the best advice I have ever received, ever. You like, know, since I met you and like your uh, your interest in like how you have spent time, I, I would I would say that. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, there's a there's because this like thing. there there was a time when like. Your mind was too overwhelmed with like you were looking at statistics and numbers. Oh my, and, oh my God, you were driving yourself crazy. Jason. Yeah, that was that was uh, that was intense. And then like finally you let it go. And then the one thing that I found that I think that's what you're saying was like photography. Oh yeah, yeah. Now that was going on. That was you know established. But by the time this all hit. Thank goodness, because it was an enormous outlet. And as a result, uh, I got a ton of good practice. I mean, day after day after day after day after day after day, going out walking, you know. It definitely does. The amygdala is looking for uh, cues in the environment. You know, a lot of this stuff goes on unconsciously. When you're walking down the street, when you're driving your car, uh, your your eyes, your field of view, uh, color contrast is is a feature, uh, just a basic building block. Uh, for example, you see uh, a rattlesnake pattern, hmm. it, you know, in the leaves. Well, it might be a minute before you catch it, but that's what you're going to clue on to. That's right. And then, uh, you know, you see that in the green grass. Well, you you'll you'll, oh my goodness, that's uh-huh. a freaking rattlesnake. Well. That's true. One way or other, it gets around to your survival instinct. You know, you see a snake, you're going to do something or feel something or think something, you know. And, uh, but that's, you, you, your your brain is doing its job. It's keeping you alive. It's sensing those details. The amygdala is really good at that. So if, if you're going out looking around and you're carrying a camera and, well, your eye will just do the work for you. Your, your awareness will do the work for you. You're looking for color contrast. Well, geez, it's everywhere, you know. You start paying attention, looking around, following what the light is doing, all that kind of a thing. Uh-huh. 
that's that's one thing that's giving the camera a basic task now or the brain giving the brain a basic task with the camera now apply that to a human relationship oh boy in the street a stranger all the raw materials are there for an introduction that that's my thing and like i think we see it with like more of the metropolitan area of the south and i think it will continue to be that way and I will continue to love it and continue to um, enjoy it. But uh, when it comes to small town, whether like metropolitan south, like what I, th- I think where you're getting at, correct me here, is like uh, I have a high respect and rapport uh, for small town southern America. Uh, also for the the metro side of it but i am also open to the idea like when well, we want to be candid and because I, I know what you're talking about when i want to do street interviews dude i would get slapped in the face if i tried to get away with like some of the questions i want to ask here in the south if i were to go up north mm. and uh i don't want to change that and I want it to stay that way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, um, I'm happy with where we are. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, and I'm not. I'm not asking for people to like to mode to that. You know. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I don't know what it would look like uh, because I'm not thinking about it. I don't know what it would look like in any given town, uh, say, 10 years from now, under the best circumstances for any given town's local culture. Yeah. Uh, which is what I'm, what, that's what I'm thinking of. The building blocks of good culture happens locally. So uh, the joining together, the well, experiencing some other area's culture, you know, I, when I think about that, I think about being in the driver's seat and taking myself to those places as a personal responsibility. There you go. That's the way that I look at it. I, I don't know that that's a, a, a piece of advice. You know, I think everybody's different. And uh, some people are going to, people are going to go after what they're interested in, you know. And, that's just it. Uh, yeah, I think that's the, that's the case to make for Port Stop. If, if there's an exchange that gets people's attention, that gets people's interest stirred yeah. up, and in fact generates you know, yeah. more interest, generates more excitement, yeah. th- those gatherings, I've, it's one of my favorite parts of the fall is all these festivals. Oh, yes. And so uh, there's, a, there's a good intersection for a lot of the points that we've been talking about uh, at this Kentuck Fest. And um, over in Northport, Kentuck Festival of the Arts. It was the 51st, I believe, long-standing festival. It was very interesting. I took my camera. Uh, in fact, I, I didn't go to Toronto to uh, go to Kentuck. And uh, um, I wanted to get some photos. So, But that barrier that we were talking about earlier, uh-huh. well, there, there it is. And... Uh, Walked around. I did get some photos. I didn't get very many, but I didn't uh, attempt very many. And what I did attempt, uh, the fellow, he was more than uh, both of them are more than willing. Wound up getting a photo of uh, 
Mr. Spiller. You ever heard of Spiller Furniture? Oh yes. And and got to meet him and you saw he was make neat great guy. commercials. Yeah. <laughs> he makes really cool handcrafted pieces that he was he was there as a vendor. Yeah. And uh he was fantastic as far as I could tell so. Uh it was it was great fun. I learned things. I practiced that thing I wanted to practice. You know, I, I talked to this he was a vendor and uh my friend and I were checking out his art installation and so talk with him for a second and then i asked him if i could take his photo and he was he was like sure man <laughs> so uh, yeah it was it was great i learned what he was doing you know it was super interesting oh my goodness he has this uh trailer it's like his old school you know sideshow looking trailer but like a nice one and inside are all these paintings and there's all these teddy bears they're just fantastic like folklorish uh-huh. legit they look like museum pieces is what they look like and um, he painted all of those for this art installation and on the side of this trailer is uh, a printout with a, it's called the packing list and it's every one of the pieces a little icon of every one of the pieces and how much it is and some of them had a piece of black tape through them marking them off because they yeah. been sold well, this is traveling culture. That's what it is. Oh, yeah. And uh, that that's what he says. You know, this is what I'm doing here. I'm, I'm demonstrating how the origins of culture can be lost because of uh-huh. the commercial value we've been assigning to their pieces. And uh, so that explained the, the ones that have been rubbed out. There's no reference to this piece of culture now at all. Uh-huh. Incredible. All of those paintings were stunning. Yeah. And uh, some of them were super expensive, some of them were not. You know, this is all the pieces of the culture. And all together until they weren't, you know, and they're forgotten. Anyway, I, I learned all that from asking this fellow, really, if I can take his photo, starting a conversation. And uh, or else uh, there, there's you get it. many more. Well, uh, there there is an argument that, you know, you've. You can get whatever it is you're after right here. And presently, I disagree. I think there there isn't. There's some of it, and I'm going to get it if, if I can get it. But all of it isn't here. I'll go and find it, you know, but um, uh, that's all right. There, there's the building blocks of other, other pieces. They're here. And the thing is, it, exercising the building of them, that's the... That's the good stuff, you know. That's where it's at. So uh, there's there's good stuff going on here, as you mentioned. Uh, this Midnight Bazaar coming up will uh-huh. be, I believe, the third installation this yeah. year. And um, it's kind of on the heels of Sunday Funday that, that we had here before the pandemic and uh, immediately after, I suppose, you, if you want to say. And... Um, I, I was stunned at, at the just the sight of the last one. It was amazing. I've never seen anything like that here. Yeah, that was wild. And uh, so I was able to get in touch with the organizers and learn more about them and uh, gave them the pitch if I could photograph their event. So um, that's what I'm looking for. That's a big, big piece of what I'm looking for right there, you know, so... 
uh, and, and I don't mean just you know for photography, not not at all. I mean I could go and not take a camera, and that's that's what I'm looking for. This exchange and uh, an estuary, a cultural estuary, a, a getting together, however it is you want to put it, the hold down, you know, the gathering, and uh, that's that's really what what. I'm interested in more than anything. I think that this was the best thing that could have happened because I consider you and I both curators. Post-truth crisis throwing lines out everywhere Yet in the end We want the same thing Yeah, we fudge our numbers And now there's no room for anything Behind the red mice I don't see so good But it'd be so much worse if I could if I could oh if I could so what's this between me and you Stay torn too, girl. Love can be such a cruel game. And what's sad is no one wins if it fails. Behind the red eyes, I don't see so good. But it'd be so much worse if I could And I can't think straight Much less carry any weight It all started with this ringing in my ears Ringing in my ears obvious our common sense answer in plain sight but we turn our heads so we say we need more time yeah just to be sure opportunity passed us by and we'll never know the 
preference Behind the red of my eyes I don't see so good But it'd be so much worse If I could If I could If I could